Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast bringing you this podcast. Well, the NBA free agency has turned the league on its head. We'll take a look at some of the moves and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 31 of The Bridge. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Bridge, coming to you on Wednesday or Thursday in the middle of your week to put a smile on your face. Well, what a week it has been for the NBA. I mean, we knew free agency was coming. It was upon us on July 1st. I didn't think there would be that much excitement as far as big, huge superstar name players making big, huge moves. I mean, really, this summer, as far as free agency goes, was deemed the summer of Durant because he was the biggest name on free agency. The other names that did make moves or did sign elsewhere were once big names like Derrick Rose or Dwight Howard. But those days are past. They're not going to completely change the team dynamic the way a gentleman like Kevin Durant would and change the dynamic of both the team and the league he did. But before I get into that, I wanted to start this monologue dealing with the NBA free agency because the money has been flowing like the rivers of Babylon. If NBA players happened to be on Oprah's show and she was handing out max year contracts, she'd even have a hard time keeping up with everything that's been going on in these past couple of days. I just want to throw some names out to you that will just prove my point as to how much money has been going to players that might not necessarily deserve that amount of money. Just based on their statistics alone, not to say that they're not nice people, they won't use this money wisely, they hopefully won't end up on the ESPN 30 for 30 broke 2 when that comes out someday. For example, the highest paid player currently in the NBA is a gentleman named Mike Conley, who signed a five-year deal with the Memphis Grizzlies worth $153 million. Mike Conley who has never made an all-star team, now joins the list of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant as the only players in NBA history to make more than $30 million in one year. Michael Conley, remember the name. You've got guys like Timothy Mozgov, NBA champion, mind you, Timothy Mozgov, second leading scorer in last year's NBA Finals, Mozgov. See, I've been trying to add adjectives to his name to make that signing just a little bit better than it actually is, but it still hasn't been working. I thought it might have there, but it did not still. 
Four years, $64 million, 30 years old, played about 15 minutes in this past NBA Finals. Great. Thankfully, the guest I'll have on later in the program was able to explain a little bit better the money situation and why those contracts are so high and why they're so different than other sports. But my question is, you have all that money going around in the NBA. In Major League Baseball, the younger, talented superstars like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are rumored to be in the ballpark of 300 to $400 million contracts when their contracts come around in the next couple of years. And then you look at the National Football League, probably the most popular sport going in the United States of America, and the highest paid player, which just became Andrew Luck last week, is making $139 million with $87 million guaranteed in his six-year extension, which if you do the quick math, that's $23 million per year, and that would be assuming that all that money was guaranteed. So the question has to be, if you're a high school athlete who has an opportunity to choose between playing college football or playing college baseball or playing college basketball, assuming this is a D1 school and you're a four or five star athlete and really have the potential to make it into the majors of whatever you do, why the hell would you want to play football? When you can go to the baseball diamond or the basketball court and make more money than you could ever dream of. So getting to Kevin Durant, the summer of Kevin Durant came to an end in a way that Hollywood probably wouldn't have been able to predict. He decides to take his talents to the Golden State Warriors, signing a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out for $54 million on Independence Day, no less. But based on what we saw last year from what the Oklahoma City Thunder were able to do coming one game away from the NBA Finals, I assumed that he would try one more time to see if he could bring home an NBA championship to Oklahoma City and put an exclamation point on his legacy, which is only about halfway through. I, however, was very wrong about that. He made his announcement via the Players' Tribune, which is a little humorous based on his previous relationships with the media as a whole. And he uses a media outlet like the Players' Tribune, which, by the way, reporters and other sports journalists probably loathe because they're breaking the story that they want to break. And it wasn't very long. You could tell that he definitely did not write it himself. He had some help with it because some of the words used, I don't think he's ever said in sentences before. So just a couple quick thoughts regarding that. I don't want to say too much about it because many of my thoughts will be discussed in the interview that you will hear shortly. When it comes down to it, as a father or a mother would say to their disobedient child, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed like the Oklahoma City Thunder fans that made the trek to Kevin Durant's apartment and placed their jerseys of Kevin Durant on his doorstep, much like the high school cheerleader might give back the letterman jacket of the high school starting quarterback, and you see the scene of him rubbing the fuzz of the letter on his jacket with a small Native American tear rolling down his face. 
That's really all you can say about it. It's disappointing. It's disappointing that we don't get to see Kevin Durant team up with Russell Westbrook one last time before they both had the opportunity to opt out after the end of next season and try to take down the Warriors, the team they were so close to beating. It's disappointing that we now have these two super teams in the NBA, one in the West and one in the East. We can pretty much pencil in the Warriors and the Cavs to make it back to the NBA Finals for the third year in a row. And we now have seven of the top 20 players in the NBA on two teams, which doesn't really help the small markets. You can understand his decision to do it. This gives him the best chance he's ever had to win an NBA title. And we put so much emphasis on rings now and on championships when it comes to legacies and careers that this had to be weighing on him. The fact that he has yet to win a ring in nine years with Oklahoma City. I think staying with Oklahoma City would have been a great story. It would have been in the same tokens of the Kobe Bryants, the Dirk Nowitzkis, the list goes on of guys that remained with their team. What we have now is the NBA's version of the new evil empire. And I know those circumstances are different than it was with, say, the New York Yankees when they went out and bought much of their talent to win championships. In this case, the Warriors were pretty much built from the ground up with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, and Kevin Durant made the choice to go to Golden State. It's not like they made these miraculous trades to bring him in. But when you get right down to it, it was just unexpected. I expected this to perhaps happen next season. I didn't think it would this early. And now it's going to be interesting to see what the league looks like next season. Because like it or not, the Warriors are the new villains of the NBA, which is something that comes with success. It's not something that you can avoid. It will be very interesting to see if this team can handle the bright lights and the scrutiny that they may face throughout the regular season. As far as NBA champions are concerned, we also had breaking news yesterday that Dwayne Wade has indeed decided to leave the Miami Heat, where he has won three NBA championships in his 13-year career there. He decided to go back home to the Chicago Bulls for a two-year deal worth $47 million. It's going to be very difficult to watch him play in a different uniform. Over the past couple of seasons, you could get the sense that for whatever reasons, he was losing trust with the Miami Heat organization and Pat Riley. And it seemed like Pat Riley was ready to move on. Breakups are always messy, and we'll just have to see how we remember it in the next couple of years with Dwayne Wade playing with the Chicago Bulls. So as I mentioned, I tried to keep this as brief as I could, but believe me when I say you'll want to hear the interview that's about to come up with my guest. We pretty much covered the full gamut that has been NBA free agency sans Dwayne Wade, which is why I added it into the end here. And most of the different storylines and opinions and thoughts that have been surrounding what has happened in the past week with the different signings, specifically with Kevin Durant, we will deal with in the interview, which includes some other teams that do well in free agency. If anyone saw this Kevin Durant move coming, what the decision means for him and to his legacy and what the decision means for the league if the West can be at all optimistic, and the same goes for the East, 
how much pressure this now puts on Golden State, what the Oklahoma City Thunder might be able to do to rectify this situation if there is any answer for that, and some of the different things we might expect to see in the 2016-2017 season with these new lineups and rosters and new super teams that are now in the NBA. So to help me do that and wrap our heads around everything that's happened, I was fortunate enough to speak with Noah Kozlov. He's a managing editor at 1UP Sports. He's also the host of a couple of weekend radio shows on Sirius XM. He's on NBA radio on Saturdays. He did a Bleacher Report show on Sundays throughout the NBA season. And he has previous experience in front of the camera and behind the microphone for college basketball, the NBA, the MLB. So the man has been through the gamut when it comes to sports media and has a lot of sports knowledge when it comes to these different topics that we're going to get into. You can follow him on Twitter at Noah Kozlov. That's N-O-A-H-C-O-S-L-O-V to find out the next time he'll be on the airwaves and view some of his opinions and commentary as we move forward from one of the biggest free agent decisions in NBA history. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So I'm here with Noah Kozlov. He is the host and managing editor at 1UP Sports and the host of a couple of weekend radio shows on Sirius XM Radio and Bleacher Report Radio. And he's kind enough to join us here today. Good, sir. How are you tonight? John? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Well, we have more than enough to talk about, so I am happy about that, to say the least, and I'm glad <laughs> you were able to come aboard. Before we get into this circus that is NBA free agency, I wanted to first catch up my listeners on some of your backstory. I know you did some play-by-play and reporting for CBS College Sports, NBA TV, mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. You mentioned before we got on here, you did some play-by-play for the Reading Fightin' Phils, as they're known now. A mouthful to say the least, but I wanted to know (laughs) how you got into the broadcasting world and some of the steps you took to work your way up through the grapevine and get to where you are now. Nobody gets to one place the same way. Every uh, every broadcaster's route is quite circuitous. Uh, I went to Boston University, where I always wanted to go. It was the only college application I had. Uh, grew up outside Philadelphia, went to BU, and got involved right away doing radio, doing pre- and post-game shows for lacrosse games, and then ended up uh, becoming sports director at the student radio station and calling hockey games at BU, basketball, et cetera. Um, got out of school and started uh, five days after graduation with the Reading Phillies. In 2004, I was the number two broadcaster up there with Steve Degler, who is headed into the Reading Phillies Hall of Fame at the end of the month. Um, that first year was, I caught a few games with Gavin Floyd before he went up to AAA. Um, I caught a lot of Ryan Howard on his crazy power surge in 04, a whole bunch of Carlos Ruiz when he became uh, when he became a real prospect. And then uh, went to work for the NBA. I'd interned there during the summer, summer going into senior year in college. Worked for the NBA, did uh, NBA.com stuff, went back to Reading, did another season of play-by-play. And then went back to the NBA and stayed there for a while, did some NBA TV things. Then we launched NBA Radio, which had one year before it went away, before coming back just a few years ago on Sirius XM NBA Radio. CBS Sports Network, did some interstitial stuff called At the Buzzer, to doing a handful of college basketball games, play-by-play every year. Went to work for MLB.com, hosting, reporting, traveling the world, talking about baseball. 
then on to Cinesport, which was just bought by One Up Sports in the fall. And we handle all the sports video for newspapers and all sorts of national sites all over the country. So I spend all day talking to writers and personalities from all over the country. And then I do radio on the weekends on NBA radio and Bleach Report radio. So that's the that's the condensed version of it. So behind the scenes, in front of the cameras, you're pretty well versed in that sort of thing when it comes to sports media. On TV or radio, I know both have their own equal challenges. Does one come a little bit more easy to you than the other? What are some of the different aspects that come with both of those things that you have to deal with? Yeah, you know, I really enjoy doing radio play-by-play. Um, and I, I, mean, I certainly do, uh, I certainly enjoy doing TV play by play, but radio play by play. When I started doing, I did two seasons on the radio for Long Island University basketball. This was in, uh, oh, four and oh, five also. And my producer and slash engineer, and I was, and I was a solo operation and just with my producer slash engineer, Rich Curlander was, is blind. And so I really, it just forced you to tell the story. Right. And if, I mean, if Richie didn't understand what I was saying or couldn't follow a play, then I knew that I wasn't doing it well enough. Um, so I really, so I really enjoyed doing radio that way on TV. Um, it's a, it's just a completely different medium. You just don't have as much time, uh, to really get into all sorts of nuance. And, and on the radio, you're forced to describe everything. Sure. And also doing it, doing it solo on the radio is a different story. And doing it on TV, you always have a partner. Um, and then doing sports talk on the radio, I just, I just treat it as having a conversation with somebody, um, whether it's my co-host or the callers. Um, I try to be a rational voice, try to talk down the callers from jumping off the ledge after game six of 82 in an NBA regular season or whatever sport that they're following, and, um, and, and try to make sure that the listeners, since they're, they're paid subscribers, and even if they weren't, just get the respect that they deserve if they're going to take the time and call in to talk sports. Because that's, uh, that's the way I grew up with it in Philadelphia. And, and you, you learned a lot about what you wanted to be like when you grew up as a host. And you learned a lot about what you didn't want to grow up as being a host, uh, listening to Sports Talk Radio in Philadelphia. Definitely. And the opinions are certainly there for the taking when it comes to Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio, yeah, especially sure. from the that's fans. Sure. Today, the ESPN, today, the ESPN radio affiliate I saw this morning was that Ben Simmons had his uh, summer league debut, and he, he hurt his calf a little bit, and uh, and he looked good. He had, I mean, he looked good and bad. It was his first summer league game, and and they put out a tweet this morning, ninety-seven point five, the fanatic saying, uh, "Is it uh, is it time to say that the tank wasn't worth it?" What? I mean, even if that's tongue in cheek, <laughs> come on. You got to love it in a, in a certain way. I mean, the fans love yeah, you in Philadelphia. Exactly. They'll let you know if you're doing something wrong, but they'll invite you back with open arms if you can bring them back a championship per se. The big question is, would you say you have a better face for TV or a better voice for radio? <laughs> um, I think my mom and wife would say that uh, the better face for TV. I wish I, wish I had one of those uh, really distinctive deep dramatic radio voice slash vo voice right um but it's all that's uh that's the way it is 
I sound a lot better if I have a cold. So I don't know if that means <laughs> I have to like go into a walk-in freezer more often, but I'll, <laughs> I'll see if I get to a platform where maybe that'll be something I have to think of. So let's roll up our sleeves then. We'll get an NBA free agency. I wasn't sure if we would see any big superstar moves coming in, but of course that all changed with Kevin Durant. But before we get into that, I wanted to see if you'd be able to help the listeners maybe understand how these NBA players are able to get so damn much money, regardless of if their stats warrant it. Is there a Cliff Notes version you can give us to explain how the money works in the NBA? Sure. When the when there's more money coming into the league from outside sources, meaning, in this case, the television, multi-billion dollar television contract that ESPN and Turner and others signed, then each team gets more money. The league makes more money. So this year, each team got $24 more million to spend on its players than they did last year. And this was an unintended consequence of the collective bargaining agreement that was agreed upon in 2011. And Adam Silver and the league tried to pushed through what was called salary cap smoothing, meaning that they wouldn't just get all $24 million all at once, that they would spread it out. Well, the league said, the players said, no way, we want our money right now instead of spreading it out, and that's why you've had the big spike. So it all, it all depends on how much money is coming in from the outside, how much money the, uh, the league is making. And But don't forget, it's not just the players making this money, the owners get 50% of it as well. Right. So it's not just, it's not just the players here. But in a way, it's almost okay if you look at it because at least the money, the majority of the money, is going to the players and it's not necessarily all going into the owner's pockets, though they are very thick. No, no, thick. it's split. Right. It's split, and, and that's what they agreed upon in, in the last CBA was the 50-50 split of the um, basketball-related, um, yeah, the BRI. And uh, so the, the basketball, uh, I think it's basketball-related income. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, right. And so the owners are getting plenty of money and uh, and the players are getting it as well. And, you know, you try to tell this story for two years coming into this season. And but the fact is, nobody wants to hear about it. Right. Nobody wants to read. No one wants to read articles about the salary cap. And I mean, people just honestly, like the large majority of people just think it's boring. So no one wants to read about it. And then fans get sticker shot. Well, this is uh, this is what we've been trying to tell you for two years. Exactly. And we have guys now making literally hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money in the NBA. In Major League Good Baseball, there's rumblings that guys like Bryce Harper, Mike Trout will make between 300 or 400 million for their next contracts. And then we yep. have in the NFL, Andrew Luck just became the highest paid player last week for 6 years. The same token, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League, makes about 35 million per year. So that yeah, said, I mean, look, it's, it's for the players though. I mean, the NFL players are getting so bent out of shape this week, John, with all the NBA money being right. thrown around. But it's apples and oranges. So I think the revenue is I think the total revenue for the NFL, I want to say it was $13 billion for the NBA was six, but yet the owners get a greater percentage of it in the NFL. Plus, you're dividing it up over 53 players, not the 15 on the NBA roster. The NBA players are playing 82 games. The NFL owners get 16, and so you get eight home games. It's, it's apples and oranges. Um, and so maybe the NFL Players Association will 
figure this out at the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. They had an opportunity to do it the last time, and uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't hold their ground. But it's it's a completely different story the NFL and the NBA. Right. And look, I always say, I mean, this is this is capitalism. You get paid as much money as someone is willing to pay. That's it. I mean, how can you? How could anyone say that player doesn't deserve it? Right. Okay. Well, if 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 that player that player is not going to turn down that money, you could say he didn't live up to his contract. Eventually, sure. If you want to compare him to other guys and go deep dive into that, but you're only worth as much as someone's willing to pay you. If if John Lure gets presented with four years, forty two million, and someone else has only offered him four years, twenty million, John Lure all of a sudden is worth four years, forty two million dollars. So if you're a five-star high school or even a collegiate athlete weighing your options between, say, football or another sport like baseball or basketball, why the hell would you want to go to the NFL if that's the case? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but, you know, there are certain guys that could only play in the NFL. Right, that's true. I mean, I mean some, of these, some of these linemen are, uh, I mean, Ryan Howard is a big guy um, But when I, when I was with him in the minors, but Ryan couldn't play football. I mean, some of these, you know, Vince Wilfork's only playing football. Right. A lot of these guys are only, a lot of these guys are only playing football. I mean, some of the, some of the, I mean, some of these athletes are absurd. Um, I mean, really good soccer players. I mean, you could see, Le, I mean, LeBron would be an outstanding football player. Russell Westbrook would be a great football player. There's no doubt. I have no doubt that some basketball players could play football. No doubt. But there have been other football players like Tony Gonzalez did it in college. Um, there've been a there've been a handful of guys, um, more more and more tight ends recently that were basketball players playing and then going to play football. Julius Peppers did it. He played basketball at North Carolina and football. Right. Um, but he only he only had a chance to play football in the pros. Um, but there's there's absolutely no reason to play in the NFL if you can play in the NBA. To me, at least. Were there any <laughs> other players? or any other teams that you felt had a good signing before this kind of overtook the news? Any teams that you think did a good job with their free agency? Yeah, I mean, I think the Utah Jazz did a really nice job. Um, I really like them signing Joe Johnson. They need that bump off the bench. They need that scoring punch. And two years, $22 million is that's what uh, Steph Curry's making. <laughs> that's really not a whole lot of money. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I like them getting Joe Johnson, and I also like them trading for Boris Diaw. Uh, that opened up the room for the Spurs to get Powell. Um, I like the Powell fit in San Antonio. I don't think that's pushing them over the top um, of Golden State, but I like the fit there. Uh, Indiana completely revamped the team. They added a lot of nice pieces, but I, I just, I just wonder where all their, I wonder where all their shooting is going to come from. Right. Um, I think the Hornets did a good job uh, holding on to Marvin Williams. I think they really need to do that, especially that money for for fifty four and a half is really uh, is really not that bad. And, and also being able to keep on keep uh, a hold on Nikola Batum at five for one twenty gave him the max. Um, as crazy as it sounds, Mike Conley won five for one fifty three, the richest contact contract in NBA history. The Grizzlies had to give it to him. They had right. to pay him. Um, so. Memphis can tread water, and they and they can they can still compete in the West without them. They had nothing. Uh, I like Boston adding Al Horford, uh, of course, and um, and the Knicks. I don't mind the Derrick Rose. I don't mind the Derrick Rose. I don't like the Joakim Noah for that many years, 
Um, but I really like Courtney Lee at four for 50. I mean, think about like what the Lakers paid, uh, Luol Dang four for 72. I, I love getting for the Knicks. I love getting, uh, Courtney Lee. Um, and then my Philadelphia 76ers signing, uh, Jared Bayless, um, getting the kids from overseas. And then, uh, and I, I actually, I don't mind the, uh, two for 18 for Joe Henderson. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of crazy money flowing around, but, uh, but there's been some good signing. A little disappointed you didn't mention NBA champion Timothy Mozgov for my LA Lakers. <laughs> Gonna revamp the entire franchise. You just yeah, wait I don't and get see. it. I just I just don't get it. Like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they spend a little bit extra on Biombo instead of like? I'm not really sure what Orlando is doing. Um, Stockton, big guys. Yeah, I, I just I just didn't understand it. What, what they what the Lakers did is he why better than have, Roy why, why Hibbert? Have, I think. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's better. He's <laughs> but better that's, than Hibbert. That's still not a but, great thing to go by for four years. No, but I'd rather have Mahimney at the same money. Right. But you know, organizations from what I've heard just really like Mozgov as a guy, and the Lakers need some sort of stability and and leadership on that team, and that's why I think they overpaid for uh, for both those guys, Mozgov and and. It's another year of waiting is, is what it's going to come down to, Hell yeah. <laughs> as it probably will in Philadelphia. Another year to just like, yeah, let's yeah. see what happens maybe as the season goes on. So Kevin yeah, Durant, I mean, I mean, he's making the rounds. He's whining and dining. Yeah. Six or so teams are on the league. Before he made his decision, what did you think he was going to decide to do? I thought it was the Warriors and the lock. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, no, I, I had no idea. Um, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. If anyone said, I know what he's going to do, they were lying. And that's why you didn't hear anybody say, I know what he's going to do. No one had any idea. The longer it went on, and it was a long three days, then you really you started to, you know, you can put some pieces together about, uh, you know, well, yeah, I guess he's probably going to be leaving. Um, but even even towards the end, I was thinking, come to my head, <sighs> okay, see. I, I, I really didn't think that he could leave. The way The way they lost, the Golden State. If they had just gotten swept by Golden State, it would have been a different story. Or if they, if he had had a big series and they lost, then it would have been a different story. Right. But, but he was terrible down the stretch. And they're up 3-1, and you lose in heartbreaking fashion where you don't have a, that great of a series. And it takes a Clay Thompson all-time performance. It's one of the greatest performances in the history of the NBA in Game 6 is 41 points. Um, yeah, and I've said it before. I mean, you know, it's like, all right, so you're, you're in a small town, okay? And when you're the biggest piece of the biggest thing in town, it's really difficult to leave. So that's why I think it was, a, it was a really emotional decision for him. This, 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 wasn't, this wasn't an easy, uh, this wasn't easy for him. But I, so it, I was, my mind was blown when I saw that article he didn't write on Players Tribune. Which I thought was a little humorous because of his relationship in the past with the media and him not really trusting them and not really being too forward with them if they'd asked the wrong questions and the headlines of the Oklahoma, and then he goes to the Players Tribune and announces yeah. it through there. So yeah. it was like, okay. That, that is interesting. That is interesting because he, like, a few times he has went off a little bit on the media. He always apologizes. Like he, he he apologized a few times this year, right? And then, uh, the, well, the Oklahoma thing—that was just 
I thought they were going to put out a headline during this whole process, Mr. Unpredictable. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was, I, I don't think the Oklahoma should have walked back on theirs on their headline either. Um, but if you're going to get bad out of shape for one, for one newspaper headline, then Kevin Durant might be in, might be in a little trouble for all the scrutiny that he's going to be taking. Cause he's now, he's now in a situation, John, that this is, this is the most pressure that any of these guys have faced in their professional career. Yeah, it's going to be they crazy. Have to win, they have to win a title. And not only that, the bright lights are going to be on as, as close as the Olympics because half of the team is going to be playing with each other. So everybody's going to have them under a microscope looking to see, okay, how are they meshing with Team USA? Are they playing well? Oh, they struggled. Oh, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I, I had so hoped for... During, I mean, I, I knew it was never going to happen, but during, and then obviously now the Durant wrinkle would add something else to it. I was so hoping that during the Western Conference Finals, the Team USA would be Westbrook, Durant, Draymond, Clay, Steph, and then as you move forward into the NBA Finals, that you'd have LeBron and Kyrie all out there on the floor together and be, being, being on that team and then seeing how that would have gone over. Because remember in 92, it was Jordan who said absolutely not right. to Isaiah. Right. Um, and uh, I was, I was, I was so hoping for that. And then you put Boogie Cousins in that mix, and then you have no idea what could happen. But uh, <laughs> to have those, to have, to have those seven guys out there together would have been phenomenal. I was a little surprised as to these past three days of him making his decision because I was thinking that he was going to use this time to meet with the teams that he wants to go to, but sort of tell them, listen, here's what I want you to do throughout the whole season because when I opt out next year and when Russell Westbrook, my teammate, opts out next year, I'm going to be looking to potentially move. So what can you give me then? Like, what are you working on to get to the next level so that when I do decide to leave, you guys will be ready. But instead, we had completely different conversations about what are you guys doing for me now? And here's the Warriors and the sage Jerry West coming through once again for the team he is with, putting together one of the best pitches that you'll ever hear. I don't know what magic he's able to use, but it wooed Kevin Durant and he makes the decision to go to Golden State. I could not believe it. Yeah, Sam Amick from USA Today did a really good job reporting that um, with the you know the thirty minute phone call from Jerry West that didn't include anything that said you this is why you need to play for the Warriors. Um, he talked a lot about legacy and, and that type of thing. Um, but I, I actually, I mean, I think you're onto something there that I do think that in those pitches they did talk about what the future was, and and I don't think. Durant would come out and say, "Ah, oh, well, it's, you know, it's going to be." Because I don't think I don't think Durant would say it's going to be, you know, Russ and me next year, because he, he can't speak for Russell Westbrook. Um, look, if it was about where he would have the best chance of winning all along, then then it's Golden State. But he needed to see and hear from those guys in close quarters. Um, and have a and have a real conversation uh, with them because I, I do believe that any team that he met with was a realistic was a realistic option. Right. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant's not wasting his time. Plus, he makes them better immediately stepping onto the floor. So there's not 
too much that a team would necessarily need to do to build around him, even though the Thunder tried to do that and it didn't work. Without adding right. anything to the question, I just want to ask, as a fan of the NBA, as someone that works with the NBA from a media standpoint, what were your overall thoughts of him deciding to take his talents to Golden State? I was disappointed, but I understand. Um, but I was disappointed. You always, you always want there to be competitive balance, um, a, at least a little bit more than what we're going to have right now. I'm looking forward to watching that team uh, for what will be, you know, eight would be about 100 games or more this year. But it's it's not as enjoyable when you're watching other games and you're thinking. Ah, that could that team could be dangerous in the playoffs. Oh, what does that mean? Right. Because they're just going to end up facing the Warriors, and that's going to be it. Uh, so, I, so I do think it's a little bit disappointing uh, in that respect. Because also, fans, every team sells hope to their fans. Well, what's the, the climax of this hope right now? If you're not a Warriors fan or a Cavs fan, right? Because Oklahoma City doesn't know their team. Without Kevin Durant, he came over yeah, but, but all, when their yeah, team was also formed. Every other, yeah, but also every other team in the league. Like, if, I mean, if you're, you know, yeah, the Utah Jazz are putting together, a, a, I think, a really nice roster. All right, well, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, unless, unless things really go awry this year and something crazy happens and Steph and Steph leaves uh, in free agency next year, or Durant opts out and decides to leave instead of, uh, instead of signing on to his, uh, taking on that, that second year. I mean, crazy, crazy things can happen. You, right. you never know. I mean, some, something could happen with a girlfriend or a wife. Honestly. I mean, you, you never know. You never know what could happen. Um, but this year seems, uh, I just feel like it's going to be just a really long season for so many fans. On its face, it's so hard to be optimistic about any of it. You're just sitting there hoping for something to go wrong, and that's not necessarily how you should be enjoying NBA basketball. But even even this year, right, real quick, John, even this year, like if if you're almost you're hoping for an injury if you're a right, member right. Of, of another team. But even if even if Steph or, or Durant get injured, well, then they're still the favorites. <laughs> right, it's not going to do anything. Oh. Right. Do you think this lineup is going to be? the greatest starting lineup that we've seen in NBA history. Yeah. I, I think they'll, they'll be the, the most indefensible. Is that the word or indefendable? In, I probably know that indefendable lineup, undefendable lineup. <laughs> they're um, going to be hard to defend is what we're getting. Yeah. At. yeah. No, 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 no one's no one, They're going to be impossible to defend. And so, right. So who are you doubling? Durant, Curry. And then you're going to leave, uh, uh, you're just going to leave Clay open. You're going to leave Draymond open. I mean, Zaza Pachulia is a, a a really good communicator on defense as well. Can also pass, and then and then of course you got uh, and then whenever David Al was on the floor. Yeah, don't, they, don't I mean, forget were, David West. They, they, he's chasing that ring again. He's coming. David David West. I really hope David West doesn't go broke. I really because he's left so much money on the table. He I hope, turned I down he, eleven million dollars just to chase a ring with the Spurs last year, and it didn't happen. And now he again is taking the league minimum. That's the guy I guess you root for. Um, I, I really hope. I really hope he's got the most trusted financial advisor out there. He should be talking to his financial guy every day. 
So what'd you do today? What'd you do today? What'd you do today? Because he is, he is leaving so much money on the table. When it comes to Kevin Durant, do you think this decision has any effect on his legacy as far as what NBA fans think of now? As in, if yeah. the Warriors win this title, there's going to be excuses that they put with it. Sure, of course. And, and certainly short term. Time heals everything for an athlete. And you could, you could screw up royally and then come back years later and be forgiven. I mean, look at Bill Buckner in Boston after the Red Sox ended up winning a title. Um, like I grew up in Philadelphia. Eric Lindros is, gets a standing ovation now in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, time, time heals all that stuff. So when you, look, when you end up looking back on, depending on how many titles the Warriors win, um, when you look back on it, you'll say, I think you'll be remembered as, well, yeah, I mean, he, he went there to win, to win championships. They won championships. Look how great uh, Steve Kerr did with them or whoever's the coach for this team for a long time. So I'm not convinced it's always going to be Kerr with his health issues. Yeah, time, time heals everything. So in the short term, though, they're going to get crushed. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how they handle things emotionally because none of these guys, aside from Draymond, are used to having any sort of hatred towards them. Steph Curry, Steph Curry is the face of the league. Every little kid out there wants to be Steph Curry. So now, now, now there's, they're going to hate Steph Curry just because he plays for the Warriors. Kevin Durant went from mom, you're the real MVP two years ago to this. Right. Yeah. These guys, they're, they're, they're not used to it. They're not used to it. It's going to take, it's going to take a while for them to handle this type of emotion. But I also don't think they're going to be hated like Miami um, because of how so much of that heat backlash came from LeBron's decision, the televised decision, him leaving his home in Cleveland, um, getting together. They, they had to bring in Bosch also. Right. Uh, the fact that all this was discussed beforehand. And then, the, and then that godforsaken pep rally when they were talking about winning eight titles. That led, that led to all of that. Uh, so I don't think I don't think they'll face that type of scrutiny. Um, they'll hear it. Well, we don't know that because they could have a pep rally coming up this week. We haven't heard no from any of them. Chance. <laughs> no chance. Oh, I, mean, I, Joe, I mean, Joe, 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 Joe Lacob has already said that they're light years ahead of everybody. So if they're light years ahead of everybody, no pep rally. Yeah, I was I was surprised somebody got a hold of Draymond Green to get some of the inside information on what was said in the meeting, even though he didn't necessarily give them everything. We at least got some form of what was discussed. I was surprised somebody found them for that. I figured they'd be in hiding yeah. for the next two months. Yeah, Alex Kennedy did a great job of that, uh, Basketball Insiders, and, uh, and and that was he did that for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Alex did a great job. Um, but Draymond is never shy, so <laughs> There's someone that's going to talk. It'll be Draymond. That is true. Do you think Kevin Durant's decision is in any way comparable to LeBron's decision to leave for the Heat? Yeah, I mean, I think on the with the basketball motivation, yeah, yeah, it is comparable. The way they handle it, very, very differently. So I think uh, I don't think that was ever in Durant's personality anyway, but he certainly learned from LeBron. Um, he used a lot of nice words in his little piece for the Players Tribune. I do have to say, I don't think I've ever yeah, heard right. him say half of them, but that's that's fine. The message right. was it's given; okay. it got across right. to it's us. The piece he didn't write, 
Yeah, the PC didn't run. Right. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so for basketball reasons, look, they, they both went places where they thought they had a better shot to win a title. So, yes, similar. You, I think you, th- people, you think so, right? I think people were waiting for Durant to just come out and say that. Like he said in his letter, this is going to be challenging, a lot of challenges. Well, the real challenge would have been for you to stay and then try to get your revenge on what you guys weren't able to do against the Warriors. But instead, you went to them because you have an amazing chance to win a title, which isn't taking away from him. Like, if we had a way to make our jobs easier, why would we turn that down just because somebody might not like it and wants us to stay where we are? If it's making it easier for you, why not? I think people might have just wanted him to say that. Yeah, every and also everybody wants to judge guys based on how many titles they want, but yet they all want a title to be won in the most difficult way possible. Right. It's it's amazing that that's the case because it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like you like when you're you're going down for surgery, you know you don't want you want the doctor to have the most ideal conditions possible. Okay. You right. know you don't try to so you don't try to throw roadblocks in front of the doctor to. Uh, to, oh look at this! Look at look how he succeeded in uh, in this heart valve replacement surgery. Like why, like, why do you want to make anyone's job more difficult? It would be like somebody saying to Michael Jordan after he won three, "Why don't you go play baseball?" And then he actually did. <laughs> like it was a completely different narrative for how it happened. People were just like pestering yeah. him, "We'll go play baseball and then see if you could win." I, I mean, it didn't yeah, work yeah, out that on, way. He's but. on another planet. I was under the impression that as the finals wore down this year and Draymond got suspended and Steph Curry threw his mouthpiece and they didn't end up winning after winning 73 wins. It seemed like the narrative was reversing slightly from LeBron going from the villain and people just hating him to respecting what he did and then starting to turn on the Warriors. And with this Durant signing, some people just took this to the next level as far as their hatred. And I think entering this season, we now have the Warriors as the villains of the NBA. A heel turn similar to Hulk Hogan, if there's wrestling fans out there, <laughs> for what he once did, going to the NWO. Do you get yeah. a sense of that now, that the Warriors are going to be the team that everyone is going to go after almost ruthlessly next season? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because look at what, uh, look how the Cavs ended up winning the title. They won the title in the most difficult way possible. They beat the 73 win team. They were down 3 1. Um, their team was not as talented. So they get respect. You know, it's like Chris, Chris Rock used to say, like, you know, guys like in his neighborhood would get more respect, like when they got out of jail than when they got their, uh, they got their college degree. Right. Like, like all of a sudden, like things are just like more difficult, so you got you got more respect. Well, that's that's the way it works in the NBA and in all sports. When it when it's more when it's more difficult, you get more respect. Um, and and again, look at the Warriors now. Look where Durant was two years ago, top of the league as the MVP, and then or three years three seasons ago, I guess I should say. And then Steph winning back to back MVPs. Everybody wants to be like Steph. Um, Draymond Green who's a unbelievable story of a second round pick. Um, but nobody liked him. 
because uh, he plays uh, plays a bit dirty and he runs his mouth a bit. Um, it's, it's a pretty wild turn of events. Because when they had won their first championship, this was the team. This was the Hollywood story. They built them from the ground up. They drafted them. They worked with them. They came through under all these circumstances like Draymond and Steph Curry not getting any love. It was a great story. And then now that's completely changed. And they're the villains. And let's just take a second to now realize once again, LeBron James, the greatest player on the planet, is once again entering this season as an underdog. Yeah, everybody's everybody's rooting for LeBron again. Everybody's rooting for LeBron. Competitive balance-wise, can we just pencil in the Warriors and the Cavs to meet again yeah, in the sure. finals? Is this just what we're going to... Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can you can pencil it in, and that's why I cut you off because it's, it's a pretty easy answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can you, yeah you can pencil them in, unless there's you know major injuries, um, unless Russell Westbrook ends up getting traded, and that changes some things. Because um, I think that storyline is as difficult to predict. One, if he'll get traded, two, where he'll go, because who knows where he'd sign a long-term deal because you don't just trade Russell Westbrook unless you're guaranteed that he's going to sign a long-term deal with you. Right. Um, unless that changes things. Yeah, I mean, injuries injuries can change everything. Um, but right now, the Warriors are built to where they can suffer a major injury at the moment and still be the favorite. And, and nobody else is like that. Will we have ever seen the negative repercussions that will come if Golden State does not win the NBA championship this season? Yeah, if they don't win an NBA title, then this would show other teams that it's just not that easy to put together stars and make it work out. Trust me, so many people were happy around the league when Miami lost in eleven, when that was the first year of the big. That was the first year of their big three, right? And they were under five. They were they were under five hundred about twenty games into the season, and uh, yeah, and there there are a lot of executives around the league and, and other players too that weren't they were very happy that Dallas won the title. Um, yeah, and if and if the Warriors and if the Warriors don't win, folks are going to be just as happy because they're going to be able to use that. It's almost like negative recruiting. Right. They'll be able to use they'll be able to use that in free agent pitches, saying why why would you go why would you go there why would you go there? Look, it it doesn't always work out. Quickly talking about Oklahoma City, I've been trying to come up with what they do now. I mean, the face of your franchise, as we mentioned, is gone, and he didn't leave you anything in return. He didn't make this decision a little earlier. Maybe you could have traded him or got something back. Westbrook most likely is going to opt out at the end of the year. If you trade him, there's positives to that, but there's negatives to it. If you sign him again, if he should decide to sign with you, you then have to build around him. Is there any way that you see for the Thunder to be able to save this situation? Save it? No. Um, because you don't, you don't just save losing Kevin Durant. Um, and and they haven't they haven't enticed another free agent there, um, even when those two guys were there together. That's so, true. Uh, unless unless you're going to build around Westbrook as your as your guy, um, which I would have Quam's doing, just building straight around Russell Westbrook. Um, but now you got to think about you got to talk to Westbrook, although. There's no way that he has uh, that he will just let them know, or at least I wouldn't think so. But maybe he would. I shouldn't say no way. Maybe he would. He'd let them know his future plans, what his thoughts are, um, and then you quietly make phone calls around the league. You don't let that get out, 
So you quietly make phone calls around the league. Right. Um, check that, out the uh, Lakers. Check out the Celtics. See what they want to give sure. up. Yeah, and, and check, check, out, check out Miami um, to give up a whole bunch of their young guys, uh, Winslow and others, to come to Oklahoma City and, and, and trade Westbrook. Um, there, I mean, the only the only teams that could trade for him are teams that would get a uh, would get a long term deal. I, mean, I think it'd be tough to be his teammate this year, don't you think so? Oh, absolutely, because we've seen in the past, even with Durant, there are games where he gets a little reckless. I mean, you love his intensity and the way he loves to go out and compete and the will to win. If you're not doing your part, he's going to let you know. And we're probably going to know that he lets you know about it because it will probably be on the court. And unless they have other people that they're bringing in to help this situation, I just can't see it. It's just going to be hard to watch. I guess we could put it that way. Difficult to watch what's going to become of them, especially in those matchups against Golden State. It's going to be cringeworthy. Uh, it's going to be so wild to watch and see uh Westbrook and Durant, they hug beforehand because uh, you know how you know how intense Westbrook. He's like a Kobe. Yeah. I don't think he's going to go anywhere near him at all when it comes to that. No. You know, he's going to give him I that agree. stare, like you don't even come anywhere near me all game long, and that goes for the rest of you too. Zaza, you're okay, but <laughs> that would uh, be so intense. How excited do you think Adam Silver is with? the amount of revenue and viewers that even though this took away from the competitive balance, like we spoke about the interest in the NBA, I think will be at one of the highest levels we've ever seen it this year because of the decision that Kevin Durant made. I actually think deep down, he doesn't, he doesn't like it. Uh, he does not like that. Durant is in, in Golden State. They left Oklahoma city because the whole point of what the, what that CBA was for guys, to be able to stay with, be able to stay with their team, to be able to get that fifth year in a contract, be able to get seven and a half percent raises on your contract each year, as opposed to going somewhere else and getting four and a half percent raises, and to have small market teams um, be able to be competitive. Look, but it worked for a long time. Oklahoma City went to the Western Conference Finals for about six years. Right, and Oklahoma City. Um, I think it puts more of a premium on on draft picks because that's how that's how you get stars usually is through the draft. Um, I actually think it makes what the Sixers did um, a bit more easy to understand um, what is happening now with Durant and, and where the Warriors are headed. Um, I think I think the commissioner is thrilled with the interest. Of course, he's thrilled with the revenue, um, but I don't think he is happy with the multitude of unintended consequences coming from that CBA and now going into a year where the CBA is up after this season. Uh, I do not think he was looking forward to having conversations like this. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are going to be out of his control that he probably wish he at least had a leash on before I get you out of here. I wanted to make sure you got yourself in a little bit of a plug. How can people check you out on the airwaves? Saturday and Sunday NBA radio um, off the dribble weekends from 1 to 4 p.m. Our Bleach Report show just ended this week. We just did it uh, through the season. Uh, did it with Howard Beck right. from Bleach Report, the great writer. And so we'll be back. I'm not sure when, but at some point, um, you know, before next season starts with uh, One Up Sports. It's, there are videos all over the place. So you can just 
check out my Twitter feed at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, or, um, or the Facebook page as well. Excellent. It was a pleasure to speak with you, Sarah. It's great to hear your insight. Definitely enjoyed learning a little bit more and getting to chat about what just happened in the past couple of days. This is definitely going to be a great season for you guys, especially on the air, getting to chat about it. So we look forward to seeing what else you got going on and maybe down the road we can have you on here again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, John. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to all previous shows on my website at www.londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can find and subscribe to The Bridge on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast or by searching for John Lund under Artists. You can also find The Bridge on the SoundCloud or Stitcher apps and look for new episodes on Wednesday or Thursday nights. On the next installment of The Bridge, will we be done talking about NBA free agency already? Perhaps we can talk about the All-Stars being announced for Major League Baseball, what other things might be going on in the league, or whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports.